DJ and PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on right now where you can save thousands on a new roof. Call pound 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. We're going to hear from the youths here in a moment. Sharif Shah meeting with the media. He is sitting down right now for uh, his availability. Utah defensive backs coach Sharif Shah. Your desire. We're going to start off with Trevor Allen of KSLSports.com, followed by Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune. Go ahead, Trevor. Good morning, Coach Shaw. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So you you had a very young cornerback group last year, and you know they were able to get five games of reps in there, a very meaningful a, a very meaningful reps. How how crucial was that, especially when they didn't lose any eligibility? Invaluable. You know, because on paper, it'll be the same group only by freshmen, right? That'll be the designation that falls at the end of the name. But in terms of accumulated reps, game time experience, I mean, absolutely invaluable. Because we can talk all day in the film room. We can get out and practice and go against our own guys. But when you have an opportunity to play a real game, make a real tackle, get a PBU, a potential interception, as a young player, it develops and builds confidence that, it's just no substitute for us. So it it really will pay, I think, massive dividends for us going forward. Next, we'll go to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, followed by Bill Riley, ESPN 700. Hey, Sharif, how are you this morning? I'm outstanding. I appreciate it. Good. Um, you know, this is still a young group, but as you just said, they have experience now. Um, how does the dynamic in the room change? You know, they're they're young, but they have experience now. You know, they have some idea of what they're doing. How does the dynamic of the room change? I think what you try to look for now, even with a young group that has just a little bit of experience, who is going to emerge as that leader? You know, because everybody just can't say, we all can't sit back and say, okay, well, we're all young, we're all young. Now, yes, we have just a little bit of experience, but now I'm looking for and I'm pushing to get a leader out of this young group. And right now I have two guys that are starting to emerge, and that's Clark Phillips and Travis Broughton, who I absolutely love. And their leadership, just by how they conduct their business every day, is what's getting exciting. You know, you get practice players, if we go back a few years, or maybe just a year or two ago, to like Jalen Johnson. What people never saw, what you guys probably couldn't appreciate every day, is how hard Jalen practiced. And I loved it. And I, and I pushed him that way. And I said, listen, if you really want to be great on Saturday, be great every single day in practice in every single period of every single rep. And so I'm screaming at him like it's a game in practice. I'm doing the same thing to Travis, the same thing to Clark, wanting them to just recognize that if I'm yelling at you like this, if I have this level of intensity, then the game should be easy. Now demanded from the people that's going to be on the field with you. Require them to do the exact same thing. Open up your mouths and speak. I don't have enough vocal players in my room, and that's what I'm really trying to develop right now. Just to follow that up, you know, you, you say that you want to develop some more vocal players. How, how do you develop something like that where maybe a kid is not super vocal? Can you turn a kid into a vocal player? Absolutely. Absolutely. And first and foremost, you know, and, and guys have laughed at me for years, but when we stand in the indoor – and I'm on one opposite end of the field and I'm making the corner stand on the other opposite end and I'm asking them to give me a call. And they're like, coach, I can't, I have to yell it. There you go. So let's start using your outside voice. We're not in the library, speak up and yell it to me. So you have to train that love, that vocal muscle, make them scream, make them yell because 50, 60, sometimes 70,000 people, it's going, you're going to get drowned out. So if you're not used to, first of all, communicating in a very loud, forceful way, you're not going to help us. It's going to be the worst possible addition to a very young defense to have a quiet secondary player. We have to be able to communicate. So I think that a kid can come into the room very quiet, very bashful, but you can do things to encourage his ability to speak up, you know, and to speak forceful, uh, forcibly so that he can be heard. I need a forceful voice, and that's important. I'm, I'm just telling you, the offenses change, shift motion, and we have to yell at each other. So you can do small things. That's just one of many things that I try to do on the field to try to develop a louder, more vocal group. Next, Bill Riley, ESPN 700, followed by Sammy Mora from The Chronicle. Coach Shaw, 
Real deal. What's up, baby? Good morning. Uh, Kyle talked the other day about you guys getting back to playing more man to man. Um, I'm curious where, where that came. Was there something late in the season? Is it just the development of the off season and where these guys are now? And the second part of that is how important for the, 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 the DNA of this defense is it that you guys play man-to-man defense? Oh, Bill, you, you've seen and watched this defense develop, you know, for a number of years now. And I think coaches desire to go back to playing man-to-man is because you start to get kids who had just a little bit of confidence. You know, you, Coach Scally, I, I love him because he's not only because he's intense like me, but he's incredibly intelligent. So he's always going to put the entire defense in the best position to win. And going into this season, we had to be smart. You know, we had a lot of young guys that were completely untested. So you needed to mix in more zone than we normally would and get them comfortable at pattern matching, knowing high-low compromises, understanding how to go from one look to another look. And then like a quarterback would progress through his read, so does a secondary, you know, and a linebacking core. But as the season, the young season progressed, you started to see some guys get some confidence in their man's coverage skills. Coach Witt and his discerning eyes said, listen, we have now enough reps in that young season to start to push our guys in a way that we didn't want to do or couldn't do last year. So let's get back to our DNA. When you're able to, and to answer the second part of your question, Bill, if you're able to play man coverage, as you know, you're able to do a whole lot with that front. I can, if I have a good lockdown corner or somebody who's developing to a lockdown corner, I may be able to utilize my other defenders in ways that could be suffocating. So man coverage is good for us. It it disrupts the timing between the quarterback and the receiver. And if we're really playing good man coverage, it allows our defensive line to get there a little bit faster. As many times as that quarterback is patting on that ball and we want pat, 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 sack. That's what we like. So that means cover, cover, and cover again. So I just think it's the evolution of what you're starting to see uh, from the young group. And there are so many kids that are starting to develop, whether it's, you know, Malone, Mata Drew Rawls, Zamaya Vaughn. You know, you're just starting to see people get more comfortable playing man coverage and the techniques that we teach. Next, we'll go to Sammy Mora from the Chronicle. Good morning, Coach. Morning. Um, so quick question. So with the kick return game, the only person who's listed on the two deep is Britton Covey. What are the possibilities of seeing someone like Jalen Dixon back in that kickoff return or in that punt return role um, headed into fall? Great question. Uh, I think there will probably be a high likelihood of trying to get one of our other uh, dynamic electric playmakers back there, you know, because Britton is so pivotal to the offense. I mean, we, 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 we want to try to keep him in that offensive set, but God, he does so much for the team. But I have to do a good job of identifying other ball players like a Jalen Dixon, who you mentioned, or Money Parks, you know, people who consistently get the ball in their hands and are absolutely electric. So that's my goal. And to your point, we're definitely trying to develop that secondary person so that we can introduce him early in the season. And I don't know who it's going to be, but top of the list, as you've identified, would be Jalen Dixon, would be a Money Parks. I think some of our uh, young, um, the transfer backs that we've had have experience and also kick returning, whether it's TJ Pledger and also Chris Curry. So we have elite, the good thing, we have some good options. Okay, do we have any more questions for Coach Shaw? All right, thank you very much. All right, there's Sharif Shah, Utah defensive backs coach, assistant coach for the U, former player for the U. As always, he's a talker, as always. You can count on him. PK, that that group was getting pretty good pretty quick. It'll be really interesting to see how good they are this year and if they're going to merge as the strength of the team because he, we know the D-line and the D-backs are usually the strength of the team, and he just talked about how they play together. You want that quarterback, pat the ball, pat the ball, take the sack. If only I had the skill set, I could have been a great DB because if yelling is required. <laughs> well, you're, there you go. You're one, step, you're one step down the road here, PK. <laughs> How are you in the backpedal, PK? 
Well, I've had to backpedal from a lot of things I've said over the years. <laughs> That's two things. That's two. You're rolling. So I'm, I'm fairly adept at that. <laughs> Probably wish but you had yelling. a little more height. They like those 6'3 corners. I'm not 6'3". No, uh, I've never touched 6 feet. So where it starts to fall I apart. I can't help you there. But four or five the yelling speed? portion of it. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there's some, there's some deficiencies there. Yeah. yeah, I have a 4 or 5 speed, but it's not in the 40. <laughs> <laughs> Ran a four five fifteen. <laughs> I covered those fifteen yards. I could probably get it in the twenty. <laughs> nice. So, so put me in the like red zone defense where you know you don't really need that four five speed, right? Because you did the field is truncated. So, and if you look at somebody and, and think of my skill then too, because you're down by the end zone, which means either you have depending on how the field is situated, we'll just go with right sickles. You either have the north end zone or the south end zone, so it can get louder well that's where my ability to shout would come even more important I, I so do, i think in yeah. those circumstances you know particularly if you're like inside the 10 i'm your guy man i mean i could shout with the best of them as everybody knows and then geez i i backpedal probably three or four times an hour <laughs> <laughs> i do wonder if the south end zone is going to be even louder i mean it could already be loud but now that it's going to basically be walled off there were those two you know like mm-hmm. escape alleys for the sound and now they're going to be gone. Yeah, well, as far as the facilities, I mean, I think they've got everything that they need. Yeah, you know, what is it going to bump it to 50 or 55,000? I mean, that, that, that's just plenty it's in, in terms of creating the atmosphere. Now, mm-hmm. sure, it doesn't look as good as the 100,000 and all that, but we're never going to get that. We, that's just not who we are on this side of the country. What's the point? And I, and I, and I think you, you reach the point of uh, what's the point now. I mean, enough is enough. And so once they get this thing done, which is supposed to be done for next season, I mean, they're, they're going to be ready to roll, and the program is in, in, in good shape. It's got all the stuff that it needs to be successful from the perimeter beyond the actual player on the football field. In my mind, they've got that. And so who knows, you know, 10, 15 years from now when uh, Oregon puts up some new thing and, and somehow – uh, learns how to jet fly kids back and forth from uh, uh, <laughs> the Saturday the- morning walk. Everybody's got a <laughs> yeah. jet pack and they're zooming <laughs> past people instead of walking yeah. down the high five and ESPN's got the gnat sound of the cheering. Right. Then the logo yeah. flies in and they talk about the sponsors. <laughs> right. right. And Oregon's so, got kids know. with jet packs zooming in. Right. Then, ah, then you'll have to yeah. get that. We're three years away from Oregon- that decides that they need to what's what's never new is created that we don't know but they really do have everything at this point the stadium's fine it, it's a great game to atmosphere we've all been out on the field a hundred times over when the place is just rocking and you when you're looking up i mean you just see us all people and it just to me it, it's awesome and if they should ever play a day game again I mean, it's an unbelievable view and all that stuff. Uh, uh, just, just great. So they got all that stuff, and now all you need to just keep going and, and keep getting the, the players that are going to make a difference for you. And they always seem to do two things. They get the players, they recruit them that are studs, and it's Jalen Johnson is going to be a guy that is a reference point for the next X amount of years, right? Ten. Just heard Sharif Shaw yep. bring him up. And he's always going to be – do you want to be like him? Well, yeah. Even though he's a young kid, it's still these recruits, do you want to be like him? Yeah, of course. And he was a starter from day one as a freshman. He got a degree. He went in the NFL. He was a starter from day one in the NFL. I mean, boy, you check off every box that that every kid would dream of having. Well, Jalen Johnson's it. And he talks about Sharif, who is a great, great talker. He's a great interview. I wish they would make him available all the time because he, he should be talking every day because he sells the program as well as anyone, as far as I'm concerned. And he's so enthusiastic. And, you know, he was a, an attorney, so you got to speak in the courtroom, so he knows how to do that. He's got the educational background, so your moms and dads can point to. I mean, he's a product, came out of went, uh, Dorsey High, uh, played down there for Paul Knox, who was a legendary coach at Dorsey, uh, retired, and then went back into coaching at Washington which is just metaphorically down the street where my wife taught for many, many years at Washington High School. And, and he's still, unless he retired in this funky season that they've got, uh, he's still coaching. So 
know, Sharif has so much value to the program, even without drawing up one X and O on, on the chalk, on the grease board. And he's so much value that he can bring to the program. And to say, guys, look at Jalen Johnson, every, every segment of practice, blah, 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 blah. If you want to be like him, here's what you need to do. Well, man, that's really, really a powerful message to sell. I coached this kid. I know what he did. I saw that education-wise. Yeah, he got his degree. I got my law degree. Really, it's a complete package as far as I'm concerned, and you can see why they've had such success. And last year, even though it was a crazy year, and it wasn't really even a year as far as football games go, it gave those guys enough significant experience that you would expect them to be that much better this season. I think that expectation is there. I think what he said is true. The one thing they didn't do last year is they didn't get all amped up and play in front of big crowds. And getting amped up can help you. There's no question it can help you push through fatigue and uh, push through in those crucial moments. But also, you know, you get too much adrenaline going and you can make a mistake. And then all the communication stuff he talks about, you know, and with a the crowd there and and rolling their zone coverages and all the other football for dummy stuff that uh, you and I have learned by reading books because we didn't uh, play cornerback. But you still got to be able to execute that as a group in front of a crowd when everyone's going nuts, when your adrenaline's flying. And, and this last season was different for about 20 different reasons. And one of them is you didn't play in front of those crowds. You know, not that you weren't amped up for a game, but it's it's just different when the whole student section is bouncing up and down and the place is roaring and you can barely hear yourself think. Well, that's what he was talking about and the need to yell to communicate and all that stuff. I mean, that wasn't there. The football was there just in the five games, just in a, a short sample. Uh, and even at that, it was somewhat funky. They take the field and SC's already played two games I think it was and this is your first game that'll never happen again I hope not anyway so if I'm a DB in this part of the country I absolutely give Utah a look it doesn't mean you can't go to other places I mean Oregon puts guys in the NFL really everybody does in, in the conference I mean you, if you want to go to the NFL just, uh, especially at, at, at a skill position because in the Pac-12 you just got the strength isn't necessarily in the interior, but they have skill position players, and they have them in, in spades, really. I mean, just about every team has got a couple of guys at receiver that, you know, they, they have a chance to be really good. They have a chance to be NFL guys. Uh, and so you get to go up against them, and you get to prove your worth against these guys. And a lot of these dudes are NFL quarterbacks. Even if they're not big-time NFL quarterbacks, they make rosters. And they're recognized and they're being drafted or being signed as free agents and make teams. So the point being that, you know, if you go up against this in this conference, it takes a lot of hits as far as reps and all. But being a DB and a receiver in this conference in a skill position and quarterbacks, I mean, they seem to have a fair amount of them that are pretty doggone good. So you can really test yourself to prove yourself worthy to be in the NFL. So there's a lot of positives there. As far as that goes, and I would suspect this group, I don't know that it could be as good as the last group. And I got to wait for Kyle to talk about it some more because I can remember, and you were probably there too, when he first said that the, the group that they just had that all went into the NFL, mm-hmm. well, three years before they went to the NFL, he said this group can be better than any group that we had. Well, it turned out, if you're judging it by NFL standards and guys are playing the NFL, he's absolutely right. Yeah. And what he said there was 100% true. Now, he has, he said he likes this group. He hasn't given it that praise yet. And maybe he does as it progresses because they were all so brand new last season. He called a shot on that, and I think that you can judge it by the amount that they won, too. And I know winning goes to more than uh, you know just the defensive backfield, obviously. There's so many other position groups that impact winning and losing. But those guys were there for two trips to the Pac-12 title game and 11-win season. So they, they did a lot of winning as they got to be an experienced group. So, And yeah. then you're right about the NFL stuff on top of it, too. I mean, you got clear the NFL was looking at all those guys drooling and couldn't wait to get them. Well, I, the way I look at it is it, certain schools are known for certain things, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for years, tailback you at at at, uh, at SC, obviously, 
and you look at it, if you're a really good defensive back at BYU, or excuse me, at uh, Utah, and I bring up BYU here in a second, uh, if you're a really good defensive back there, you're probably going to be an NFL guy. It's the same thing with BYU. That's why I mentioned them, is that if you're a really good tight end at BYU, you're probably going to be an NFL guy. And I use the example of Matt Bushman, right? He came along that year that they really sucked offensively. What I think his first freshman year is when they were four and nine, but you could see that this kid had skill, right? I mean, it was because for one, you could see this kid because they didn't have a lot of skill, so he stood out because he had skill, so it was easier to see because it wasn't like he was blending in with a ton of skilled players because their offense was awful that season. And then we see now, well, because he didn't get to play last season because of the uh, injury, the unfortunate injury that he had, you're seeing stuff uh, on social media, wow, watch out for this kid. Well, the rest of us here, uh, we know if you're a good tight end at BYU, you're probably an NFL kid because they've that's where they've developed guys, right? So it's the same principle here with the defensive backs at Utah. If you're really good there – you're probably going to be an NFL kid because I would literally need a program to go and name all of them in the last 10 years. There's no way I would get them all because there's been so many of them that I'm sure I would forget guys. Tight end is a little bit different because it's a one position as opposed to four or five, and most of the time they're in a five defensive back package, so obviously the numbers would multiply much more than tight end. Tight end would be easier because usually the most you're going to have is two out on the field at any given time if you even have that, whereas most of the time you're having five. So the numbers are going to be greater. But the point is that if you're outstanding there, that you will continue to progress along the way and get yourself in the NFL because of so many guys. So I'm excited for this Utah defense. And really I'm excited for the team as a whole to see what they can do. And I think partially the excitement is that I'm desperately hoping that everything is normal, that they open training camp when they're supposed to, the end of July, beginning of August, and we're doing all these things that we have done for so many years, and then we have the countdown to the first game on that Thursday, who's against Weber State, and there's the stands are full, and everyone's there. there I don't know if they'll have some grand opening for the south end zone and whatnot, but I'm excited to get in there because I haven't been in there. And, you know, we've been in there many times, but we didn't go last season to see what that looks like and all. And I think that's part of the reason for my excitement. But also, if I strip away from that, I'm excited because I think this team has a chance to contend. Most definitely, I think it has a chance to contend for the South again this next season. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, the trios, the awesome trios, Triggered by something that happened this week. We will get to that next, and we will get your list of awesomeness and the trios next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. So I'm trying to get my phone to not call me Hans. All right, try it again. Don't call me Hans. Okay, what should I call you? Hans. You'd like me to call you Hats. <laughs> is that right? No. <laughs> Hans. You'd like me to call you Pants. <laughs> The dumbest thing. Like Lance or Dance. What is my name, Google? Your name is Hans. God, stupid, dumb thing. Could you call me Hans, Ned? You'd like me to call you Handsome. Is that right? Well, it's better than Hans, yeah. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, PK, because the games were not competitive on TV last night, there were blowouts in the NBA, there were blowouts in the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament, MLB hasn't gotten going yet. You'd have, another 10 days, you'll have baseball games, PK, so you'll have more options. Well, I got baseball games during the day because right, I got the Fox package. But it didn't and, help you at night. Uh, they did have a game on, but, uh, I mean, it is training. Yeah. I watched the Brewers kick the crap out of Walker Bueller, the Dodgers. And he gave up uh, three home runs in a first inning yesterday. <laughs> Save that for the regular season. 
beat those guys as much as possible. If you were a Padre fan, I'm sure you would think that. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, so one of the questions you put up, you were putting questions up every hour on the hour, so there's plenty of stuff if you want to go <laughs> go debate it, discuss it. You, I got to say that uh, these last three, I think you went three for three. Uh, the people have thoroughly embraced the whole what is going on with Joe Ingles debate, and we talked about that in the 7 o'clock hour. Uh, this is interesting. You put one up. Elgin Baylor played on the Lakers team with Jerry West and Will Chamberlain. Who are the best three-player groups in NBA history? And when I started messing around thinking about that, because uh, I thought all the games were blowouts on TV last night, too, I started thinking about that, and I started thinking, well, a lot of these three-player groups that I would come up with, because I'm already I'm doing the debate in my head. I'm like, okay, I'm going to throw this out. What's PK going to come back with? And basically, I was coming up with a lot of three-player groups that I didn't feel that good about, and I thought your response would be, oh, come on, Hank Aaron and I combined to hit 755 home runs. Wilton and I combined to score 100 points one night. I mean, the third guy's really got to carry, maybe not his share of the load, it doesn't have to be split evenly, but he's got to carry a big chunk of the load, you know? And once you say Shaq and Kobe... I mean, I don't want to rip all those other guys' careers. They had nice careers. Heck, doesn't just, matter. Just making it to the NBA is a big deal. So I don't want to dump on these guys, but you, yeah. you're not Shaq and Kobe. I can't put you in the same breath with those two. Nope. And there's a lot of that in the NBA. The third bowl. Who was the third bowl with Pippen? Phil Jackson. And, and you're right, Phil Jackson. And so that's what I ran into with a lot of groups. Now, here's the thing about Baylor, West, and Wilt. If you want to go career accomplishments with those three guys – it's awesome. But when they were actually together, Elgin Baylor was at the end and was breaking down physically. He played 65 games the last three years they were together. And 54 of those were in one year. And then he had a season he played two games, then he had a season he played nine. So Elgin wasn't Elgin at that point. His body was given out. Now, if you want to go, hey, they played together and here's their career work, well, now it's awesome. And it gets really hard to match them. But I think if you wanted to go, uh, you know, the big three in Miami, it was a short run, but it was a three-player group nonetheless. Uh, no, you I could, think you, you got to put them in there. Yeah, I think you put them in there. I think the Warriors. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Draymond is now what he was, you know, four, five, six years ago. And, man, you put him in there with, uh, with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Then if you want to go uh, – you know, they bring in Durant and put him with Curry and Thompson. You know, there's some three-player groups in there, there that are really I would good. go Durant over Green. Right, but I'm talking about the two years before Durant got there. Sure, I, right, you know, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, but if you want to rank those two, say, okay, Warriors, you got two groups in our final thing, and I'm going to rank the Durant group higher, I think I'm with you and most people are with you. How about the uh, who the TMZ or the Run that, DMC? They're up here. One of our listeners hit us up with that. Brian Lopez says, maybe not one of the best, but one of the most fun was Run TMC. Tim Hardaway, Mitch, Rich, Mitch Richmond, and Chris Mullen. And that was a team and a coach. Ahead of their time, they were built more for the rules in this era than in that era. They never had a, a center to go with them. Uh, in an era never when, had one. I know. In an era when you really needed a dominant big, they didn't. And those three guys would have embraced the three-point shot now and the green light to go shoot five, six, seven of it, what, you know, ten a game, whatever. They would have embraced that and they would have been good at it. Those guys could all really shoot it. And they all handled the ball pretty well, too. If you want to go – Positionless, I don't know that Mullen was really a point guard, but, man, he handled the ball pretty well for a wing guy. Yeah, they were dynamic. Yeah. I think they they at least deserve uh, uh, others receiving consideration. Yeah. Um, Jeff, John, and Carl are among this group, Thomas says. Uh, Tyson wants to go Joe, Rudy, and Don. Well, they got to get out of the first round, guys. When you thought Joe, Rudy, I thought of uh, the Oakland A's. <laughs> <laughs> nice, old school. You said Joe Rudy. Yeah, I think of Joe Rudy, Reggie Jackson. Yeah, and, uh, right. Yeah, those <laughs> green, those green World and white, series, didn't they? Those green and white uniforms were sweet. They did, they did. They won three in a row. Yeah, if you're gonna go uh, baseball, and they got broken uh, up by money, they might have been able to do more. Smoltz, uh, Glavin, and uh, some guy named Maddox. Oh, I like it. <laughs> well, then if you're gonna go football, we're gonna hear from Cowboy fans with the triplets, right? Of course, you're gonna get. Aikman and yeah, Emmett Smith, Smith and Michael Irvin. Yeah, and there were they ranked right there with anybody. You know what's interesting is that 
you will go and we'll we'll be here local. So we'll go with the statues and we'll go the statues with Hornacek because they got to the NBA Finals twice. Mm-hmm. But there's two guys that I just don't think get, even though one of them has his jersey retired, get the respect. Because I would go ahead of the statues in Hornacek. I'd go with the statues in Thurl. That was a really good group. Uh, I think the, the argument there will be they didn't, and Thurl can call and, and yell at me. He likes to do that anyway, so this would be great. Thurl, light me up. But the problem is they didn't win enough playoff series. And I don't know if that falls on Thurl. You could say that John and Carl at that point in the career. But, man, the year they had in 88 and when the way they, they pushed the Lakers. The Lakers that 88. That no, what, what round? Second round. It was second Okay. Round. That was, uh, and they could have been good enough. I, uh, I totally get that. I think I think the Utes, Van Horn, and Kentucky. It's the same story. When there's one dominant team, how far you go depends on when you draw the dominant team. I mean, they didn't go to the Final Four with Van Horn, right? Because they drew Kentucky in the round of sixteen and the round of eight. The year they went, Kentucky was on the other side of the bracket and they didn't see them till the final. You know, if they if the if the bracket had been set up differently, maybe they would have gone to the Final Four the year before because they didn't have to play Kentucky. Kentucky was the only team that was beating them. They were handling literally everybody else. And so you could make that argument that the, that the Jazz, Jazz get their uh, right. They and and the ahead. argument would be that Stockton and Malone, the best team, the Bulls, the guy, Jordan was in the other conference, so they didn't see him till the finals. And whereas in an 88, the guy was in your conference and you happened to hit him in the second round. If Magic had been in right. the East, maybe you wouldn't have gotten knocked out until the finals and Stockton alone could have gone out in the second round if they'd been in the same conference with Jordan. So there's a certain amount of when do you draw the dominant team? Because the thing that group really has going for it is that they took the champ to seven games, which the Stockton Malone Hornacek group didn't do. And Magic got pushed to seven games three times. You could argue who's two, three, and four. They didn't play each other. They all ran into the Lakers and took them to seven, and the Lakers won game seven every time. And that was the greatest team of all time. <laughs> there it is. That's the argument. The thing that hurts them, and the reason when you say they're overlooked, and they are, is because the Hornacek group went to the conference finals four times and the yeah. NBA finals twice. And well, the Jazz only just, have six conference finals, apparent only. It's uh, not the group. It's the individual. Right. I think Thurl is the most underrated Jazz player of all time. And I think Mark Eaton is the second most underrated jazz player of all time. Certainly in Utah. I don't know about the Chuck Robinson days in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, but those teams are terrible. So and The only reason why I know about Chuck Robinson is because he was hailed as the savior uh, when I was living in Phoenix when they got Chuck Robinson and he was traded. And uh, the Suns crowd, the Suns fans were going nuts about Truck Robinson, and then he'd always just disappear in the playoffs. Don't think uh, I know Truck Robinson if you if I saw a video of him playing, or if I if he walked through the door right now. Which of these ten guys is Truck Robinson? Uh oh, I don't know. Yeah. I know him because cool his name, name. his name yeah. is Truck, and so I remember no, that name when I was Leonard. a kid. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. I was just used to seeing Truck. In story, in game stories, and it's like magic, right? Exactly. Magic. And then I'm flipping through a jazz media guide, killing time, uh, and there it is, truck. I'm like, ah, I remember that name from my childhood. Yeah. So other than that, I don't remember anybody else with New Orleans, but I think well, those two. <laughs> you uh, remember Maravich? But I don't remember him doing anything. That's oh, I don't I'm either. Yeah, at. right. Yeah. At least I remember Truck Robinson doing something. Uh, here, I think Thurl is underappreciated. I would put, for me, and I. everybody knows I have a man crush on Jeff, uh, and Jeff and Joe, they're my guys, and I would still, I would go with Thurl, but he doesn't get the run as the third wing or third yeah. wheel, whatever that expression is, in there. But there's plenty of others out there that that could be up there. I mean, I would go for Boston, Garnett, Pierce and Ray Allen. That's a good threesome. Yeah, I was thinking the Celtics' great teams in the '80s. It was it was Bird, but then the other four guys were all good. I didn't know how to carve yeah. which three guys to carve out of them. I, I think you got to go that front line: McHale and Parrish and Bird, and just leave uh, Ainge and DJ out. And that's no knock on any of those guys, right? I mean, and you're obviously leaving Scotty Wedman out too. I am. And who can and, forget ML, ML Carr waving the towel? Yes, <laughs> but I think you go 
McHale in his own right was an absolute superstar. And Robert Parrish is maybe just a skosh, a hair below that. Agreed. But Chief Chief was all that. I mean, he was really good. He the, Those guys didn't pile up the stats because you had the two, who I believe, superstars without question, McHale and Bird. Dennis Johnson. I mean, I think Larry Bird called Dennis Johnson the best player he's ever played with. Right, and that's why I had a problem picking three because Parrish didn't have – the celebrity sizzle of Kareem and the signature skyhook move, but the only way the Celtics were winning all those championships, the only way that they could compete with the Lakers, I mean, Bird had to be just about as good as Magic if they were going to have a chance to win. He couldn't have Magic dominating the game. He had to match him if they were going to win, and you had to do the same thing with Kareem. So even if you're not Kareem, if you're 90% of your Kareem, Kareem, you're an awesome player. So... And Parrish, I think, goes into that thorough argument. If you want someone whose rep isn't as good as what they actually produced and who needs to, you know, give them a second look, you're undervaluing this player. I think Robert Parrish is somebody in NBA history you ought to go to. But well, it's like I don't have any problem with that. Yeah, as so you said, when you're playing next to Bird, he's going to get the stats, though, and he's going to get all the celebrity. I'm partial to Dennis Johnson because he's from Pedro. There you go. Well, I really did think of that as a five-man unit. When I was thinking about the Celtics on this question, I was thinking, I don't know how you break those. I don't know which three to break out of there. You know, And the front line, probably as good an argument as any. Um, yeah, but, Ainge, but Ainge, Ainge won so many places Ainge, he went. Decent. I mean, he was contributing a lot to winning. The, Cel- the, the Blazers uh, had been to the finals. Am I missing something? The Blazers have been to the finals once since they won it all with Walton. And it was that team, and he was on it, and they lost to the Bulls and Jordan. And then he went to Phoenix, and, and they went to the finals for the, the only time in the last 45 years. So Ainge must have been bringing something. You know, he wasn't getting lucky everywhere. He couldn't turn the Kings around. But I think he was bringing could. the opening prayer. There it is. <laughs> All right, if you've got a trio, um, if you've got a three-player group, somebody you really uh, – uh, Ben says Jose Ortiz and two others. Oh, Ben's going for comedy. Now, Jose Ortiz was on that 1988-89 team. Jose Ortiz, Bob Hansen, and Mark Averoni? Or do you prefer Eric Lechner? Lechner. Got to go. Got to go with the Wyoming guy, right? Now, Daryl Griffith was on that team, too. Yeah, I don't remember him doing much. At least they list him. I'm looking at a roster right now. He was on that 88-89 uh, team. I just remember that series so well because I'm I was covering it living down there in Los Angeles and and thinking man this little white dude number twelve he can play he's unbelievable <laughs> he had like a, I'd have to go back and look it up but he had some like a twenty eight twenty four game can you can you imagine if Donovan Mitchell went out and had twenty eight points and twenty four and assists what the show would be like the next morning coming in and and. Stockton did that against the Lakers and Magic in their prime, literally against a championship team in the playoffs. The thing I remember about that series in Santa Barbara, and I mean, because I liked basketball, I loved the way the Lakers played, but I didn't have any emotional attachment to them as a fan. It's like the Kansas City Chiefs now. I like the way they play, so I'll watch them and I find them entertaining, but I'm not, oh, not, no, I'm not buying you're, jerseys. You're jealous of L.A. That's, come oh, on, yeah, absolutely. Put that in. Yeah, without question. You, you, but, you left out an integral portion but I can of that walk, story. But I, with that Laker team, I could walk right past it. They were so much fun to watch, and they were so good. But I was surrounded by Laker homers, the jersey-buying, Laker-loving fan. And that what I remember about the series is that was one of the few times they were actually scared when they weren't playing the Celtics. Most playoff series, it was how many are they going to win in? And that they team, were scared. They actually that team that team scared Laker fans, not the oh, Laker fa- team. Oh, okay, gotcha, but the Laker gotcha. fans in Santa Barbara had real fear in that series. Like, oh, crap, we might lose this. And they didn't have they didn't have that against Dallas in the next round. They never trailed. The home team won every game in that series, and they always felt like they were going to do it. But they got down to the series, and they were worried. In Game Five, they were worried. I, I but would, Magic I would, made it all okay. I would increase it to petrified. I don't think they were petrified. If they were in the forest, they would be a petrified forest. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> Well, if a like, tree falls in Santa Barbara and everybody's at the beach. <laughs> who hears it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No trees on the mesa. <laughs> right. Got to be over by the mission. Yeah. Okay, that's Santa Barbara geography. Never mind. All right, when we come back, 
Uh, I mentioned PK was very, very busy. I don't know. Do we want to blow this question today, or do we want to? Do we want to save? Remember it? what it is. You don't. It's I'll a good. It it's you. a good college football question. I think we're going to. Oh, save now it. I do. Now I. Do. Yeah, I think we're going to save it. That's a good okay. question. I like it. Okay. okay. All right, okay. DJ PK. We've got Tim Lacombe coming up. Jazz radio studio analyst, former BYU and Utah. Hoop staff member, we can talk Sweet 16 with him and the Jazz playing the Brooklyn Nets tonight. And we will get to the Jazz question of the day and the Jazz and the Nets tonight. If you have not looked at the scores and the box score from last night, there's two things you need to know about the Nets, and we will tell you about them next. Stay with us. The Big Show, the Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Dan Dickow is with us talking a little college hoop. Dan, how good of a job is the vacant Utah head coaching job? I think it's a really good job. Salt Lake City is an underrated city in my estimation. I, I really like that city. You know, obviously I've been there a number of times. I was disappointed they let Coach Kristoviak go because I think he has done a really good job. I do know he hasn't gotten that big run that maybe a lot of people or alumni or boosters and fans would want. But if you look at the landscape of the Pac-12, what teams have done that until this year? You know, so I was disappointed to see that happen, but that's the nature of college sports. I'm sure he'll find an opportunity somewhere good because he is a really good coach. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The store has grab-and-go meals and hundreds of local products. The store has two locations in Holiday, 6200 South and 2050 East. And also downtown, the Gateway Mall in downtown Salt Lake. That's the store. All right, multiple questions of the day up on our Facebook page. What is going on with Joe Ingles? What is the deal? He is, I drug test him. He is 18 of 22 from the three-point arc in the last three games. This is incredible. That's 81%. Nobody shoots. There, there's a lot of guys in the league who can't shoot 81% unguarded at the free throw line. You can stop the oh, game and yeah, hand them the ball, and they can't do it. I mean, some guys You're can. Right. But a lot of guys can't. And Joe's shooting 81% from three over the last three games. <laughs> Joe is out of his tree. He's out of his mind. Give me an expression for Joe Ingles. He's shooting 50% for the season, which is second in the NBA. A career high. He's doing by, on a much better team. And he's a career high by many points. 44.1 is his previous career high. Yeah. And now he's at 50. I think uh, Corver set the league record was 53 or something like that, and that could Corver fall shooter, this year. Yeah. And shooter, and good thing about Corver, uh, I love the dude, but he's basically a one-trick pony. Oh, he's there to shoot the ball, whereas Joe yeah. runs the pick and roll and distributes right. it as well. And he scores going to the hoop. Uh, he scores, well, I don't, I'd have to compare yeah. the numbers, but off the top of my head, I'm thinking he's scoring way more points going to the hoop than Kyle Korver ever did. Kyle Korver's job was to get to the three-point line and spread the floor so other guys could drive. Nobody was looking. I mean, the defense wanted right. him to put the ball on the floor. They begged him to put the ball on the floor. And that's no knock against him because he nope. had an illustrious NBA career. Absolutely. Uh, but Joe is more diversified in his game, too. And that's the great thing about it is that when you think of Joe – and the reason that I thought he would get out on the floor when he first got with the team is that I thought that guys loved to play with him because he could set you up. Yep. And I and to me, as I watched Joe and studied Joe play and then got to know him a little bit and talked with him and found out how much he enjoyed passing, I thought that he had the ability, as the ball was coming to him, to see it uh, sort of uh, maybe a step ahead, a second ahead of developing that uh, like Stockton would do, he'd be able to see it actually before it occurred in a sense. And I think Joe, uh, he as the ball was coming to him as a pass, he would be thinking, okay, who's open? Who can I get the ball to? That's why I'll think of him. Now he's changed that dynamic to now this this killer three point shooter. Uh, I don't. Can can you take anything that can make you a better shooter? Is there something you can ingest? <laughs> I've noticed Joe's head's getting bigger than it used to be, kind of like Barry Bonds, you know what I mean? I don't think it works that way. Mark McGuire, he came back one year, and he was just this Amazon of a dude, and Jose Canseco, right? The Bash brothers, well, we know what they were bashing. Uh, They were getting the vaccine before the vaccine was needed, uh, according to Jose in his uh, groundbreaking book, right? Guys getting shot in the butt. Yep, Uh, taking turns shooting each other in the butt in the bathroom. Couldn't have been more. Couldn't have been more glorious. (laughs) And and we've seen the size of uh, Barry Bonds, how he transformed. 
in that he was it's, wearing like a size oh 12 and a half cap. It's laughable to see a, the pirate Barry Bonds <laughs> and even the early San Francisco giant. I mean, he was the, the thing I always give Barry Bonds credit for, even though I don't like him. And then you can go back to all the San Diego jealousy thing and I'll just plead guilty to it. Uh, but the thing I give him credit for is, although you did it, you were one of the last ones into the pool. And if they had cracked down on it like they should have earlier, you would have never done it. You know, you were tempted after watching other guys do it for multiple years. You're like, I'm better than these guys. I'm sick of them getting all the credit, all the fame, all the glory, all the money. And I know I'm better than these guys. Screw it. I'm doing it too. And I really think Barry waited. I have to go back and look at his stats. But three, four years, and finally was like, all right, I'm doing it. Which is why I don't really blame him. It's another story. He needs to take a lot less heat than other guys. Uh, he can take some he was a jerk everybody that's the problem he was so unlikable I mean I could tell you I knew guys who played with him at Arizona State yeah and I heard stories back then yeah way before he blew up yeah yeah where where I lived in my apartment literally they called it it was east of campus and you know west on the west side of the valley it was Sun City and it was all these apartments east of campus and they used to call it Sin City the takeoff of Sun City but anyway right next door were three guys on a baseball team. <laughs> Literally lived right next door to me. So, I mean, obviously I got to know them, and I'm a huge baseball guy. I used to – I had Sun Devil season tickets as a kid. Uh, and then if you played baseball, they gave them to you for free. Uh, not that they were ever going to be interested in a 200-hitter uh, <laughs> with no power who played the, third base. <laughs> the thing is, to get around NCAA rules, they had to give them to all the kids so they could get the kids yeah. they really wanted to the games. Yeah. So you benefited yeah. from went. the NCAA rules. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I went regularly. Mama didn't raise And then fool. I was a student there, and I was living in Sin City. It was less than a mile away. So I went all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every series on Sunday, I was there for sure. But anyway, uh, Joe... You, you, if anything, I don't think that stuff works because basketball, we've never heard anything about it. But it's just amazing how how much more proficient he's gotten. It's like it's now to the point where the announcers are laughing. Joe hits another three. Can you believe this guy? No. <laughs> and I do it at home. <laughs> I tell my wife, I scream out there, Joe just hit another three. <laughs> You're doing a lot of yelling at the old house. It's well, I'm downstairs, she's upstairs. And now it's getting to the point where she's now starting to watch regular season. She'll watch playoffs, but she's starting to watch regular season a little bit more because it's like, Joe, Joe's shooting the ball, man. Is it going to go in again? No, I can't believe it. It's going in again. It's just amazing the rate in which he's making these threes. I mean, for a goofball who's so unathletic and slow and really oh, okay. doesn't even belong in the league, okay. I think he's driving his he's driving his kids to. Oh, nice, nice, good timing. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, Joe, are you running around with a bandage on your head? I mean, how's anyone supposed to take that seriously? He loves the bandage story. Blood dripping down. Yeah. He hates the bandage story. <laughs> he freaking, I think we gotta put a statue of him on top of the stairs with his arms in the rays like they do in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Give him the Rocky pose. Yeah. I think one thing that's happened with him and with all the guys from three, it's one of those things that uh, it's like hitting in baseball. I'm going to speak your language. It's like putting in golf. When you see other people making putts, are you more likely to make a putt? When other guys are getting hits, are you more likely to get a hit? And everyone's like, hey, if that guy can shoot the three, I can shoot it too. Because we've been doing this show long enough. I used to talk to you about how there's almost 30 guys in the league who can shoot 40% from three. There's almost one for one per team. You better have one on your team if you're going to be good. And if you're going to be really good, you should have two. You need to have more than the other guys. And now we've gotten to the point this year, there's 50 guys in the league shooting 40% from three. I think they're all seeing like, hey, I got to get out there and shoot my 100, 250, 500 a day, whatever. Oh, yeah, they're they getting shoot. better at it because it's yeah. more prevalent. It's more prevalent. They realize if that guy can do it, I can do it too. People are working harder at it. I mean, Joe, on a serious note, when he wasn't ripping the media for jinxing him by bringing it up, which, by the way, is what a lot of our listeners did on the Facebook page to you because you're jinxing you because you brought it up. But this isn't, this isn't about superstition, magic. I mean, 18 of 22 is a hot streak. No, We're not at the point where anyone's going to be sustaining that. So he's going to have to cool off from that. But shooting 45% from three, there's now eight guys in the league doing it. 
You know, a few years right. ago, if you did that, you led the league. And now there's eight guys. Yeah. But more people well, are putting sense, in the though. time. And Joe went into how he's changed his release point. He was in the gym during the pandemic, and they couldn't have – normally there'll be someone passing you the ball, working with you on your shot, and there'll be two or three uh, employees, um, you know, ball boys, uh, rebounding all these shots, right? Well, because of, he was going into how with the protocol, they couldn't have five people in the gym. They could only have two. And so, you know, credit the poor guy who's got to work with him on a shot and chase shots all over the place. Uh, but it's clear the repetition matters. And that's why 50 guys are shooting 40% from well, three. practice minutes. matters. Yeah. And now we get two guys shooting 50%. Joe's at 50, and Tony Snell in Atlanta is at 56.8. And he's only shooting half the three-pointers Joe is. He's not, he's not doing the volume Joe is doing. Joe's, that's the, what it's called, the work. And you've yeah. got to put the work in. Yep. The problem with me is I was always the last guy in the gym and the first to leave. <laughs> and that got you into a career in talk radio. <laughs> <laughs> Last in, first really. out. <laughs> that was always me, man. <laughs> what time does practice start? Okay, I'm not going to be there a minute too soon. What time's it over? I'm gone. I'm gone. If you want me to stay longer, let's have longer practices. You're Don't Charles play me. Barkley. You set it up. You're Charles Barkley in Houston. Charles, you're not playing any defense. Listen, they pay me $2 million. I get $1 million to score, and I get $1 million to rebound. You want me to defend? You better give me another million dollars. Great line. But there's a reason to win a championship. Because all this offense we're talking, the Jazz are undefeated when they hold teams under 100 points. They are now 24-1 and when they hold teams under 110 points. If you defend, everything's going to work out. And we can talk about Joe's offense, but Joe, right after Royce, gets some pretty difficult defensive assignments of himself. To be successful in anything, it's about putting in the time. Putting in the time to work. I really believe that. Yep. And that's the only reason I've had any level of success. It's got a work ethic from my father, and I, didn't, I never want to embarrass him. And he told me, give it all you got. I don't care what job you got, give it all you got. If you want to move up, that's the only way you're going to move up is to give it all you got because I ain't got no family name that's going to help you, and I got no connections. And the business I'm, I'm in, you don't want to be in, and he was absolutely right. And I think that that's the way it works. I tell that story of Lee Trevino. He shows up at a pro-am at like 8.30 in the morning, sees some guy in a sand trap. He leaves at 4.30. The guy's still out there. He goes out there, finds out who it is. is Jordan Spieth. It's, it's a work ethic, and Joe's talked about that. He's put up the shots, and now he's reaping the benefits of the hard work. That's the way it is. There's really no mystery. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, former BYU and Utah Hoops staff member, joins us next. Stay with us.